What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Martin, with Intuitive Minds Podcast. This is episode 24. And today's guest, we have Amadeus, CEO of Platinum Boy Music. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm grateful and appreciative, you know, to be on the platform. So thank you for having me on the podcast. I feel great, man. How you feeling today? Good, man. Hanging in there, taking a day at a time with all the issues going around. So, you know, trying exactly. to push through, trying to push through, man. Exactly. You know, how are you handling all this? Are you monetizing very well? Are you, has that been a struggle for you doing this or? Yeah, it's, it's been different. It's been different. It's been challenging in many different ways. You know, I've, I've never seen anything like this before in life. You know, blessed to be on earth for 39 years. And I never seen anything like this, you know, any viruses, you know, of course we had the flu, but I guess when the flu hit, you know, we're probably younger and didn't, you know, didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. But so now that we're we're of age and adults, you know, so to see something like this is unfortunate, man. I'm just grateful to be healthy. I'm grateful to be alive. Of course, I would love to be working, doing what I love to do. That's production, producing it in the studio, whether that's, you know, touring with Trey songs or whether that's, you know, me being at Dre's nightclub, you know, number one hip hop club in Las Vegas, you know, for my residency there or teaching, a, you know, at Music 101 College Store. So would love to be doing all of those different things, but of course, due to the pandemic, everything has been placed on hold until they mm-hmm. kind of getting got to get an idea of, of of what's really going on and how you know we move forward from this. And obviously, you know, me being in New York and New York, you know, having various phases and, and starting mm-hmm. to open up and try to get people back to work and mm-hmm. normal life, you know, it's 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 it's, it's different. I'm definitely. Especially, definitely been a challenge financially, you know, just being real, open, honest, and transparent, which is just who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. So it's been tough, man. It's been tough. Uh, but, you know, all we can do is, 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 is be as positive as we can be, you know, work the best that we can. You know, obviously there's no live shows. There's no, you know, the clubs aren't open, so I can't, you know, work and make money from that aspect. But there's other ways, whether it's production, which has kind of been really slow as well. You know, due to not only the pandemic, but also, you know, the police brutality and, you know, police, police killing, you know, black Mm -hmm. kings and black queens. So a lot of people are not really as creative as they may want to be at this moment. So, you know, got to be sensitive to that. I haven't been creative. Honestly, I haven't been been creative in the last three months, honestly, with Mm -hmm. any new material, because it's just, you know, not not really inspired in that sense. You know, just Mm -hmm. kind of really hurting and trying to figure out life and and, and move on. So that's kind of, you know, really where I've been in the last three Mm -hmm. three months, hopefully, you know, because I feel like this is the new normal, you know, so it's not even about things going back to normal. It's about us adapting and adjusting Mm to the times that we're living in, unfortunately and trying to live and survive, you know, following all precautions and social distancing and, you know, doing the best that we can to not be affected by this virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, one day at a time, man. And it, it's, it, apparently it's going to go up and up as, as it goes. Yeah. So because there's no cure. There's yeah. no cure for it. There's yeah. no answer for it. You know, we, mm. we, I guess, figuring out the ways to kind of prevent passing it from one person to another. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess we got an idea of how to do that, you know, and because of the numbers going down and less cases and, and, and less, you know, people, less fatalities, mm-hmm. you know, so, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. And especially now, cause it's like producer and artist, they can't really be in the studio at the same time now. So that kind of, plots out that creativity a little bit you know what i mean it blocks that creativity a little bit because now they have to do everything through email and like send me a beat and then send me the vocals as opposed to being in the studio you know what i mean now that that's now that that's like new but it's like you know what i mean it's more right. authentic when it's a producer and an artist at the same place you know what i mean right but, and, and i'll share this man a lot of the music that i've probably created in the last decade has not been with me in the studio with an artist believe it or not mm-hmm. you know all 
all Chris Brown and I've created maybe about 50 songs together. You know, yeah. I would say half of that is, is out and released right now to the world. Another half of that is probably unheard and, you know, in the vault waiting for the right time mm-hmm. to be released. Mm-hmm. So never been in the studio with Chris Brown ever in life, you know? So obviously it doesn't have a negative effect on getting work done and getting work records created mm-hmm. and things moving. Of course, as a musician and as a producer that has been in the music business for, you know, going on 20 years, I would rather be hands on, you know, mm-hmm. and in the studio collaborating, you know, with that particular artist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, based off of technology and, and how things have grown and changed throughout the years, this is where we're at today. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. of course, we all have preferences of what we would rather do. Of course, rather mm-hmm. I would rather be in the studio, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, not work or, or, you know, not create music based off of it, not being the way mm-hmm. I would want it to be. You know, I roll with the punches and I keep it pushing and I make it happen by any means necessary. So I would I would say it hasn't really affected me in that area based off of technology and based mm-hmm. off of what it's kind of been for the last decade or so. You know, so it, it, it's, it's kind of the same in that way. Now break down on who you are and how, where you got started. Right, King Amadeus, as you mentioned, CEO of Platinum Boy Music Inc., a multi-platinum bad boy hitman producer, produced for over 100 artists. J-Lo, Trey Songz, Chris Brown, Justin Bieber, Keisha Cole, Tyga, Lil Wayne, Dipset, G-Unit, Buster Rhymes, list goes on and on. Work with Burger King, Sprite, BT, MTV, VH1, ESPN, you know, first take, touring with Trey Songs for the last 13 years as his music director and tour drummer. Resident, again, at Dre's nightclub, you know, as a musician and as a drummer, playing alongside the one and only DJ Friends and, you know, every weekend, teaching, motivational speaker, educator in regards to music. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Born in the Bronx, 169th Street, Washington Avenue to be exact, building 1309, building 1451, building 1420. You know, and, and New York raised me, the Bronx raised me. The Bronx is the home of hip hop, the birthplace of hip hop. So, you know, it was definitely in my blood, in my veins, in my body, in my mind, heart, spirit, and soul as a youngin. Started playing four drums in fourth grade. Fast forward to, you know, getting into high school, around 14, 15, 16 years old, somewhere around that time. Yeah. You know, really fell in love with music, the, create, the creativity of it. I wanted to pursue, you know, a career, in my, which was my passion in regards to production. And, you know, here I am today, you know, 19 years later, having the success that I have. Still so much work to do, right, um, but yeah, definitely right. appreciative of, you know, what I've done thus far in my career. Now, do, do you remember your first ever, like, beat machine that you ever got? If I'm not mistaken, I was on the Ensonic keyboard trying to think what was the exact model man i'm going blank right now i was on the exonic keyboard the exonic keyboard was a workstation Mm -hmm, you had mm -hmm. to load your sounds into it you know with zip discs Mm -hmm. but you were able to program and create you know the actual full track in inside that keyboard Uh, so that was the first thing i used graduated from that to the Roland XP50, which is also, you know, a workstation. This particular workstation had, you know, all the sounds in the actual keyboard, the drum sounds, the the keys, the sound effects, everything was in one machine. It came with it in that particular keyboard. So that allowed me to, you know, incorporate more instrumentation, more Mm -hmm. music, more melodies, being that everything was kind of already in that keyboard. So from Mm -hmm. there, you know, I kind of, consider myself a professional when I, once I was using that and that I would get complaints every now and then with meeting with labels and A&Rs and artists that the drums mm-hmm. weren't hitting hard enough. And I really took that personally because, you know, I, I was a, I was a drummer, you know, and yeah, at the end of the yeah. day, I felt like me being a drummer, the, the drums had to be really strong. And mm-hmm. I remember, I forgot who it was, but I remember sitting with an A&R at a label 
and them saying, you need to, you need to, you know, cop the MPC 2000, you know, when you cop that, yeah. you know, your drums would be knocking. So of course, you know, being the young and I didn't really, I didn't have the finances and the money, you know, to make that happen. That machine mm-hmm. alone was 1300. Yeah. You know, so I, I was producing, you know, with my, with my big brother at the time, you know, someone I consider my brother, my big brother, Steve Soup White, we got our hands on the machine. Mm-hmm. Um, the MPC, mm-hmm. you know, fell in love with it to a certain degree, mastered it, and you know, started creating tracks on that man, and 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 the rest was history. So that was once I was able to build my own studio, which was home, of course. It was the MPC 2000 XL, had a MIDI controller. The first sound module that I bought was a Mofat by Emu. Nice. Um, after nice. that, I think it was an Extreme Lead sound module by Emu as well. Then after that, graduated to getting the Motif rack, and then from that graduated to getting the, the Roland Phantom Rap. So that was, you know, my weapons of choice for me yeah. and pretty much what I used for, for everything that, that mm-hmm. you know, was released at that mm-hmm. point for me. Now, when you, make a, when you make a beat, how do you start? Do you start with the drums first, obviously, or do you start with, like, the melody? I, believe it or not, drummer and all, I always started with the melody. Um, really? Yeah, I know it's a very unique approach. I felt that if you start with the drums, right, you would have to lock into that particular beat or pattern. Right, right, okay. Um, you know, which which is you force, which is you know, kind of forcing yourself to build a track around that beat, right? So mm-hmm. I just kind of thought the opposite way, where if I start with the melody and I and I create with the melody first, based off of what I'm creating melodically, I can come back and fit any type of beat pattern to that melody. It could be an up tempo, mm-hmm. it could be a trap joint, you know, it could be a West Coast joint, it could be a New York boom bap. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't want to box myself in. I felt like you box yourself in once you build the beat first because now you have to create or program that particular yeah. track to that beat, to that pattern. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, and it's definitely different and unique. A lot of people bug out when they hear that, knowing that I'm a drummer. But I felt that that was the best approach for me yeah. because, again, it doesn't box you in. And, you know, you can start out with a melody, start making a trap beat, be like, oh, I don't really dig that. Switch the beat to, you know, maybe EDM joint. Yep. Don't really dig that. Switch it to a boom bap, and that might be the perfect fit, you know. So mm-hmm. that's that's always been my approach to making making beats. Mm-hmm. It's very for me. Yeah, and I, I, it's funny you said that because every time I start with a drum, I do have I do have the struggle a little bit. It's like, how do I? What's the right melody around this drum? So that's you taught me there a little. You taught me there. So it's like it's better to start with the melody. Right. And then, you know, everybody has their own way. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Their, their own approach. There's no right or wrong to it. Mm-hmm. It's just about you know, what you feel comfortable about, uh, comfortable mm-hmm. with and what feels mm-hmm. better to you at mm-hmm. the end of the day once you're creating. Yeah. yeah, it all depends on, and it also depends on the program you use as well. Everybody has their particular program. Like you have the Ableton people, you have the Fruit Loop people, you have, right. the, you know what I mean? The What's that other one? Uh, Ableton, Fruity Loops, Pro Tools, Logic. Logic, yeah. GarageBand, Digital Performer. Yeah. So you know, so everybody, you know, can use their own. Mm-hmm. weapons of choice yeah, yeah like for me it's uh ableton i'm an ableton guy ableton nice. push in ableton i have the ableton push and i use the ableton program so it's like everything ableton and i actually one nice. of the mentors was ski beats he actually taught me the ableton oh man he wow the, that's a legend right there yeah Big bro he, yeah there's a lot of stories he told me so i'm not even going to disclose it here there's a lot of like hip-hop stories that he told me that are just like insane it's like i can imagine whole stories and like there's a story that i could actually share it's like he had a um full tape with big l wow he lost it he lost the tape because he was in the process of moving and this was around the time when like 
disc floppies were like the shit, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So once you lose those, it was game over. Oh man, I know he was sick. Mm -hmm. So imagine that CD with that body of lyric and that body of, uh, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man. That hurts, dude. Yo, I know that hurt it. Yeah, that, yeah. So I was like, shit. He he didn't have it nowhere else. Like he didn't Mm -mm. make a copy of it. Like, you know. This was like 1998, 99. So you got to think, it's like, yeah. Once you're in the process of moving, you better have like a copy of a bunch of shit because it's game over after that. So yeah, I could imagine the bars and the lyrics on that. I just, you know. Yeah. That's that me. hurts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh now Platinum Boy Music, what was the inspiration behind that? Pretty simple, man. It's it's pretty funny. I was in ASCAP, you know, filling out the information to get my own publishing company and I needed a name for it. And it was like, You got a name? And I was like, No. Um, you know what I'm saying? And they're like, Well, we need something. You gotta we gotta, you know, figure out a name that you can use. So, you know, once you you know start getting placements you can be able to, you know, turn in your ASCAP information and get, you know, taken care of financially, you know, for, mm-hmm. for your work, be able to submit your work. So I'm sitting there. I'm not one that's really good with names. And I was like, well, I want everything that I make to go platinum, you know, and I was very young at the time. And I was like, and I'm a boy, platinum boy, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, eventually I added platinum boy music on the end, but that was the concept. That's how the, the, it came together. And, you know, in the ASCAP office would be putting a name for my publishing company. And then, you know, since then, just started off with me and my production company, Platinum Boy Music. Mm -hmm. I've had artists in the past, you know, transitioned into having songwriters and producers and still to this day, you know, having producers a part of, you know, the uh, production company. So as far as today, 2020, you know, Platinum Boy Music is a company, you know, that houses amazing creatives and producers, including myself, you know, being the CEO. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've produced some of, some of, as I, I was looking at your discography and I, you've produced some of the tracks that I like, I like are my favorite. You produced a lot with Foxy Brown. I was yeah. specifically focused on Foxy Brown because that's my favorite female MC. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. I don't care what anybody says. They can throw in little Kim. I was like, nope, she's raw. She's yeah. real. She's yeah. Foxy's amazing, bro. Yeah. And mind you like that, that me, me producing for her, like that was my favorite, my first placement ever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cradle to so, the grave. Yeah. Cradle to the grave movie mm-hmm. and soundtrack produced the title song to that movie and soundtrack The sound. The song played in the movie for 26 seconds. Featured on the soundtrack, which sold, you know, 500,000 units, which earned me, a you know, my, a gold plaque on my first placement ever. So that's pretty much how I started. Definitely monumental. Me, one, seeing the movie, seeing myself, you know, not seeing myself in the movie, but hearing the song that I created in my living room in the movie. You know, the, cro- the credits rolling at the end, seeing my name in the credits. Yeah. Going to the CD store, FYE, you know, with CDs was was, was a mm-hmm, thing back mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. Buying the CD, opening the album, reading the credits, seeing my name in the credits, just monumental, man, mm-hmm. monumental. So definitely shout out to Foxy Brown. We also had another record called Get Off Me. Yeah, that record that was the that, that yeah. was the e disc. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, dude. I remember because that mm-hmm. came first. I mean, it wasn't a, an official release, so that's why when you asked me what was my first placement, I always, you know referred to the cradle to the grave because that was an official, you know, release, a record mm-hmm. that was released. You know, the disc record was just something that, you know, was out on, you know, that the mixtapes, you know, the DJs put on the mixtapes, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the DJs and, you know, especially Funkmaster Flex played on having any seven dropping bombs on it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, <laughs> you know, that's what it was. So I remember when it first came about, I was really sick, man. Cause I'm like, 
hold on. I really love Eve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Eve is incredible. I'm a fan. I want to work with her. I want to produce for her. And me having this record is probably going to mess that up. And that was, you know, just be, me being young in the game and not really understanding how it works and how, you know, how things go down. And it's mm -hmm. like, nah, man, you produce the track. You ain't got nothing to do with you know, what she say yeah, lyrically. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I was gonna say, like, what is it, like, how does that affect the producer? Because a lot of producers produce, like, for example, one producer produces a diss track for one track for one person, and then they produce the rhetorical track. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, and then the producer sometimes, like you said, a new producer may feel like he's in the middle of something, but he's really not. That's what I thought, you know? So, yeah. you know, a lot of the OGs would be like, nah, man, that's not how I go down. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you produced it, you made the beat, you obviously inspired that artist, you know, for to say whatever they want to say on that track, mm -hmm. but in regards, you have no control over what they're saying. So, you know, so they're basically, their beef is not your beef. Mm -hmm. And once I learned that, you know, I felt, I felt good about it. Then it turned into an exciting moment, man. And I, yeah. I remember, be, you know, being in a car in front, of my, in front of my house when I was living with my mom in the Bronx, and and I was in the car and I heard Funk Flex talk about it all day. Like, yo, tonight I'm gonna drop this this record. Foxy Brown, she's going crazy about you know, good, you know, digging in the Eve. Yeah. You gotta hear it. And I remember Boys, just being in the yeah, car yeah. <laughs> when he dropped it, man, and dropping bombs on that joint and bringing it back. And I'm just sitting here like, you know, the time is now. Like I'm here. Like not that I made it, but it's like. Mm. All of the hard work that I've been putting in for, for the last few years, sacrifices that have been made, me believing in myself as a musician, as a producer, is here to hear mm. like one of my favorite DJs of all time, one of my favorite New York DJs of all time, mm. playing a record that I made in the living room now with one of my favorite artists, mm. Foxy Brown. It was just it was just an epic moment, man. Yeah. And then she, I mean, that yeah. I mean, especially because Hot 97 at that time was oh, man. prime. Yeah. Right. Prime, prime, prime. Because you had the, um, you also had the Jay-Z and Mob D beef around that time. Yeah. Jay-Z and Nas beef. It was like, so it was like the Summer Jam was a big thing back then too. And I, and I remember the first time I did Summer Jam as a photographer in 2017, mm -hmm. my first thoughts were, this is where Jay-Z put a picture of Prodigy. <laughs> right. And, and the summer jam screen and this is where yes, he sir. brought michael jackson and it's like yes this sir is a hell of a moment i got stuck there i was i was doing a behind the scenes for gem vk wow and, yeah because I, I was like her videographer at that time okay okay and i got stuck and she's like are you all right i was like mm, no nah, i'm just like <laughs> taking this all in right now and then remy ma was actually that night and remy ma actually brought out all the queens like queen latifah wow um, Little Kim, she brought out all the hip hop queens, and at the end, she said, Fuck Nicki Minaj. And Sheesh. the crowd went ballistic. Wow. It was dude. like, Did I just get to witness that? And then Remy Mob was there till eight in the morning, since eight in the morning, and she didn't come on till 10 p.m. Wow. So I was like, Wow. You know, so I got this. Oh, because like, oh, she was there doing like press. Mm hmm. Oh, no, wow. I didn't even. She was press, no? she was rehearsing. Really? She was rehearsing because all he kept hearing, because all he kept hearing on the stage was bombs and like bombs and like, what the fuck, fuck, fuck. And I was like, oh my God, she's going to kill tonight. Whatever this is, she's going to murder. And then the night came. Next thing I see is Little Kim, uh, MC Light, Quinn Latifah, wow. Cardi B, Young and May. I'm like, what is going on here? Every God, she brought out Young and May. And I love the fact that you brought up Summer Jam because 
you know, on the side of me touring with Trey Songs as his music director and tour drummer, we actually played Summer Jam, if I'm not, it's either two or three times. And dude, like that was epic. One, epic for me being from New York um, and Hot 97, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, being the, one of the biggest stations in music, especially hip hop. So for that to happen, and then on the sports side of things, me being a fan of the New York Giants and playing at the same arena or stadium, you know, that they that they play in mm -hmm. and compete in. And I'm like, yo, I'm on stage, you know, playing in the same arena for over like 60, 70,000 people, you know, just epic, 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 man. And, and it's funny because it goes, you know, you're playing so much, you rehearse so much and you work so hard for that moment. And that moment goes by so quickly because I think there's so many artists that's on the bill. Mm -hmm. I think we had one year, we had like 20 minutes. I think the other year we had between 25 and 30. And when you're on stage, man, that, that time just really flies by, you know, and think about it. Like an average song, it's about four to five minutes each. So if you have 20 minutes, 25 minutes, that could be possibly about five or six songs, depending, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. now you have to figure out ways where you can get more songs out or perform with, you know, obviously scaling down on some of those songs, maybe not performing the whole song, but maybe performing a verse and a hook, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, I'm, I'm talking about that because that's kind of what, a part of what my job is as a music director to right. figure those things out, you know, for Trey and for the band, for us to perform. Like, what are we doing? Because they'll come up to me and say, okay, we got 25 minutes, you know, how are we doing this? And I'll say, mm -hmm. okay, well, let's start out with this record. Let's do this, you know, this amount of it. Let's transition from that song into this song, you know? This is High 97, uh, I remember, for 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 Saya, during the fab part where the, where the fab verse comes in, mm -hmm. I switched it to all of you know to all about the Benjamins beat. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. had that beat underneath as you know Fab spit the verse. So it's cool moments like that that you create that that creates an old shit moment for the mm -hmm. fans and for the people that you know are in attendance because you would never expect that. You know, so it's not you know figuring out those cool moments that you can create that allow people to go crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's a hell of an experience, especially being on stage. And, you know, Summer Jam has its own, you know what I mean, like name and its credibility, you know what I mean? Right. And you've done Summer Jam three times from what I, yeah. from what I can see, yeah. you've done it three times. So you did it like 2010, 2014, and 2015. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. 2010. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. From what I'm looking at, it's like 2010, 2014, and 2015. And you also have a lot of songs with Young M.A. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. She's actually, she's actually, I consider her the new Foxy Brown. God, that's dope. That's dope. That's I'm how I. Mad at that. Yeah, that's how I look at her. Because she's like on under the cut. But when she comes out, she bark. Like, she bites. It's like. She comes, she comes yeah, in with she's that. A, she's a beast, man. And yeah. just, you know, I love that you brought her up because I remember meeting her at a venue in New York called Webster Hall. My boy Von Mack introduced me to her. And I think, you know, kind of at the very beginning of her career, I'm trying to think, I think the old, the old record or the old record was out. But yeah, I met her and we, you know, we didn't exchange info or nothing. Just, yo, this Amadeus, Amadeus is younger, man. I'm like, all right, cool. Years later, I random, real random, I, I sent her a DM. You know, like, yo, man, I really love what you're doing. Would love to work with you, see what we can come up with. Mm -hmm. She responded, you know, remembered that moment where we actually met at Webster Hall, which is pretty cool because I know a lot of artists meet a lot of people. And, and, and you know, so I, I thought it was really cool that she remembered. And she actually told me the story of, like, how we met and, and what she remembered. Yeah. So that was actually cool. So we connected. 
sent her some beats. I remember, you know, exchanging contact info and her calling me like, yo, these are fire. I, I done wrote to this one already. And she was just real and transparent. You know, we had a real conversation. She was like, listen, I'm indie. So, you know, don't be trying to charge me with Chris Brown and J-Lo, you know, and Trey and all of them, you know, yeah, what you yeah, charged yeah, them, man. Yeah. You got to show me some love, man. And, and But I, I appreciated, you know, her reaching out and just being real, you know, and, and that's, mm -hmm. that's something that we look for as producers. Just be real mm -hmm. with us. Keep it a hundred. Let us know what it is because you'd never know what a person is willing to do, mm -hmm. you know, to look out for you based off of one, you know, their creativity, how, how much they love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it, it was a dope moment. And mm -hmm. you know, we worked it out. We, we came up with something that was uh, feasible for both parties. And the rest was history, man. You know, we yeah. gave you practice. We gave car confessions. You oh, know, yeah. we gave Petty Wop, you know, and then, you know, all together in total, you know, we had you know, eight songs on the Young mm -hmm. Money album her started mm -hmm. making that we produced. So it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. And there's still, you know, some songs that's in the stash, you know, that 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 the world hasn't haven't heard right. um, you know, as of yet, man. So I'm grateful, man. And you know, one of the records, Car Confessions, were featured on that's uh, my favorite track from her. Yeah. Overall. Thank you, man. Thank you. Overall lyrically, production wise. I was every... dope. It was dope, man. Shout out to Buddha and Grand. Did yeah. that one with them. But just a dope record. So that record was featured on Madden 19. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, me being a fan of sports, sports world, you know, that was definitely a, a really cool moment to be a mm -hmm. part of that game that, you know, my son and I play all the time. But then to hear, you know, a record that we've made in the actual mm -hmm. game. So that was, that's, that's pretty cool. Speaking of, uh, speaking of football, you also had a placement on First Take, the First Take theme song, and as well yeah. as a Monday Night Football. Elaborate right. a little bit on that. Shout out to Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson is the music director of ESPN. And I forgot, I think my publisher at the time had introduced us because we were, we were signed to the same publishing company, I think. And we met years ago, I, I, I want to say maybe about 15 years ago. And just stayed in touch. He would reach out to me to say, hey, I need this, I need that. So I was doing a lot of scoring for a lot of the like Sports Center, the highlight reels. And you know, so a lot and what that is basically when you see your favorite art athlete or team, you know, and they're showing highlights of that individual or that team, and you hear the music in the background, I was creating a lot of that. So we were working together for a few years. And how that came about was Kevin called me to speak to his students. At, at a, I think it was New Haven College, New Haven University. And at first I didn't want to go because I know colleges, you know, have a lot of money, you know, and yeah. they be cutting big checks, man. So I'm like, yo, are they paying? Are they paying? Mm -hmm. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, nah, this is just a personal favor for me, you know, because it's a program that I do, you know, for the students there, you know. So I'm like, eh, I don't really know, man. And I remember hanging up and I said, I'll get back to you. And mm -hmm. it was just a moment that I had with myself when I'm like, dude, this is the same guy that put so much money in your pocket, created so much opportunity for you to do what you do for ESPN Take and the various shows, Monday Night Football mm -hmm. and stuff like that, right? How mm -hmm. dare you say no when he needs a favor? You, you know, even though it ain't no money, how dare you say no? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's reality one check, you know, it's a reality check for myself. I called him back. was like, yo, I'll be there tomorrow. Showed up, spoke on the panel. It was amazing. Met some other great creatives and some other dope panelists. He's like, listen, I don't have no budget. This is out of my own pocket. You know, allow me to take you guys to Subways. And I love Subways. So we're in Subways. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, I, you know, we're trying to create this new theme song for First Take. We're trying to get Tyler Kweli and Most Def, but we can't, you know, can't get a hold of those guys. Mm -hmm. Now, I was already, already, I was already producing for Kweli. So I had already made a record with Kweli already. My son's mom at the time was touring with him for about a decade mm -hmm. as his background singer. 
you know, so the relationship was there for, for you know, for me to connect them with Kwali. So I'm like, hey, I'll connect you with Kwali, but who's producing the beat? And he's like, yeah, we haven't figured that out yet. I'm like, and I put my, I put my hands up in the air, like, what are we talking about? Like, why don't I just make the beat? And he's like, you know what? I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And the rest was history. Now, what we do know is obviously, Telequali and Mostaf are not on the song. Mm -hmm. So it didn't work out, you know, due to creative differences. And Wale being a family member and a fan of the show, you know, at that time with Skip Bayless was the co-host of mm -hmm. uh, Stephen A. Smith and yep. Carrie Champion. Mm -hmm. So they called Wale up, Wale was down. Stolly was a new member of the MMG, you know, team. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, this was like 2010, artist. 2011. Yeah, I think was it was it this is I think this is about was it because I remember I was in I just moved to New York City for the first time from Virginia mm -hmm. in 2011 and my dorm room roommate he watched First Take daily like it was like religion wow. to me wow. and so and remember Wale was in the background singing vocals I remember it was like I remember it was a hip hop beat and I remember yeah. and him saying it was like you should watch this if you want to get into sports you should watch this. And then right. that instrumental kept playing. I was like, yo, that's a dope beat. And that's wow, what drew man. me to the show. I was like, that's what drew me to the show. So that's I think crazy. this was around 2011 because I moved okay. to the dorm to September 3rd, 2011. School started September 7th, 2011. So I'm wow. good. I, yeah. And then he didn't come in until 2000. He didn't come in in like September 13th. He came in and then it was like first take every single day. Wow. Yeah. So, that's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. that's, 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 you know, it's crazy how... How that whole thing, how that, let me see. Actually, let me see. It came about in 2016, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, because I'm looking at first take, ESPN first take theme open, 2000. Yeah, so it's, it's actually 2016. So which one was I listening to? Yeah, because, yeah, 2000, that might have been the original joint they had that maybe didn't really have, like, that hip-hop influence to it. Because, yeah, so we we created that in 2016. Uh, okay. Never 2018, um, I think we renewed or they we changed it up a little. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, you did a song, yeah, the theme song NY Show in 2018. Right. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, right, right. It's crazy. crazy. Now, Bad Boy and Hitman. Elaborate a little bit on that. Group. Man, first off, a, a dream come true, you know, growing up. You know, Puff Daddy and Bad Boy Entertainment mm -hmm. was like one of the biggest influences for me growing up as a music lover. You know what I'm saying? So when I, you know, transitioned into becoming a record producer, you know, it was a dream for me to be a part of that team, that production team. You know, that mm -hmm. production team, you know, brought us, you know, the notorious B.I.G., rest in peace to the, excuse me, to the legend, Mace, 112, Faith, Making a Band, Black Rob, you know, so many dope artists and MCs, G-Dep, you know, and besides just what the Bad Boy imprint did, you know, he was a record producer and Hitman was, you know, production team. So they produced for Jay-Z and a lot of artists, mm -hmm. Gina mm -hmm. Thompson, Missy Elliott, SWV, you know, a lot of outside artists as well. So just, you know, a, a crew that made hits for any and everybody, basically. Right, right. Now, did you, um, did you, sorry, did you do any production for, for Shine? No, no, I wasn't a part so I, I I became a bad boy hitman around the era of when he created Making the Band. So when Making the Band uh, was here, okay. Day 26, Danny yeah, D. Kane, yeah. yeah. So I kind of was a part of the new phase, mm -hmm. the new era of, okay. of, of bad boy. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have anything to do. I think if I, but but if I'm not mistaken, I actually was submitting around that time. So when, when he had signed Shine, I was submitting beats for Shine. 
yeah, and even okay. like for like Black Rob, like the la- the last project Black Rob mm-hmm. had released mm-hmm. on the Bad Boy, like I was submitting, you know, beats for that time. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, at the latter part, point of Carl Thomas's career, I was submitting beats because when I interviewed, you know, Carl on my IG live, he was sharing with me of how he knew who I was and heard my music, you know, back then, you know, when he was working yeah. on various albums and stuff like that. So it was crazy to know that, you know, my music was being circulated back then, even with, you know, the, the, my mm-hmm. heroes and my legends, you know, that came before me. Yeah. Um, but it was great, man. It was great. You know, I got I got to work on day day twenty say day twenty six. I didn't make the album, but I, you know, worked on records with them. Worked on records, yeah. I make, yeah, I made I did make the Danity Kane album. I did do a lot of film scoring for Star Maker, the show that Puff had Star Maker. He had worked for Diddy that was on VH1. I scored that. He actually allowed me to be on the show on the MTV show making his band. When we were as a music director selecting musicians and band members to be his backing band for his new album, Last Train to Paris. So I was part of that. Got to see him make the Last Train to pa- Paris album, which was an incredible experience mm-hmm. for me, man. So just, you know, to be able to pick his brain, to be able to be in the studio watching his creativity, me create and him critique, you know, me and what I'm doing and be a part of his be a part of his recording process and someone that he respects and admires as a musician and as a producer for me was just legendary and historic, man. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely, you know, grateful for that. And it's a, I'm pretty sure that relationship is still going on till today. It's- well, you know, I, I haven't been, I haven't been in talks directly with him. And, and honestly, in a few years, you know, he's, he's changed a lot of the people that, you know, his assistants and people that work alongside right, him. Right. So sometimes that changes. And you lose contact. Definitely a, a, a definitely a challenging person, you know, to contact. Yeah. So I, I honestly, you know, to be real and transparent, haven't been in touch with him like that in a few years. Definitely looking forward to that point where we do, you know, connect again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember bumping into him at the iHeart Radio Music Awards. Not not Music Awards. I think mm-hmm. iHeart Radio had like a, a show that they would do in Las Vegas. And basically it would happen on like, like I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where they will bring out who they consider the best of the best in different genres. And Trey Songz was on the bill. We performed on the outside festival stage. And then we performed inside on the stage in an arena as well. Nice. And I remember he, him being on the same bill. And it, was, it just so happened that because there was so many artists that a lot of the artists had to share dressing rooms. And we, mm-hmm. it just so happened that Trey, Puff, and I think somebody else was sharing dressing rooms. So I'm, walking in my dressing room and he's right there mm-hmm. and I just roll up to him and just, and just, you know, and just grab him and give him a hug. And he just lost it. Like, yo, bro, little bro, yeah. I ain't seen you in a long time. Like hugged and, you know, embraced. And, you know, he just shared out about how proud of, how proud of me he was and, and how it was good to see me and, you know, couldn't wait to see me rock out on the stage with Trey and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's crazy because that was the moment for us to connect, but he was going through something that didn't allow him to use his phone. And he was like, you know, I'm not really using my phone. I'm having people, you know, so he kind of put me in contact with someone to connect us through. And it started out kind of cool. And then the person just kind of like disappeared. Um, So it'd be like that sometimes, man. That's the game. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all love. Definitely my big brother, you know, and and, and once a hitman, always a hitman, man. So, you know, I'm still connected with all my other brothers, you know, Marion Winans and Stevie J and, Mm -hmm. you know, Derek D-Dot Angeletti and, you know, know, all my other brothers that that are, yeah, absolutely. All those guys. Now, being from New York, what are some of your top five New York producers, specifically New York producers? New York. New I'm, York. I'm New York biased. I love anything NY hip hop is like, I just I would it. say, wow, I've never been asked that. That's a, 
That's a pretty dope question. Swiss, of course. Buck Wow. Both of them being from the Bronx. Yeah, it's not. That's a dope question, man. <laughs> New York. Sheesh. <laughs> I would throw D-Dot in there too because I know D-Dot is from Brooklyn. Nah, yeah. And Ski, Ski's from New York, right? Ski's from North Carolina, but... Right, right, but, right. You no, know, he considers himself a New Yorker. Right. What I said? So I said Swiss, Buck Wow. Mm-hmm. D-Dot. D-Dot. You could say Primo, but Primo's from Texas. Right. Yeah, nah, I wanted to be like New York, New York right. born and raised. Mm-hmm. Like, man. And I don't want to, you know, say someone that's not from New York. Yeah, I'll probably, probably leave it at those two. I know Lord Finesse. Yeah, I mentioned Law Finesse as well. Mm-hmm. Shout to Law Finesse. There's so many. I mean, there's like, it. yeah, it's 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 a very tough because when you say specifically a state, it's like, ooh, for me when they say Virginia, because that's where I'm like originally based out of. Right. I, it's easy for me because it's like Timberland. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, even MCs, it's like Pusha T. You know, it's like boom, 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 Missy Elliott. So it's like we have a lot to choose yeah, from. I pulled up. I pulled up some. I did some research real quick because I was like, is Pete Rock from the? Yeah, Pete Rock from the Bronx. P-Rock. So Pete Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pete Rock. I'm good with that. No, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Because okay. that's, that's, that's pretty hard. No one no one ever asked me that. I like that question. Mm-hmm. What about MCs? Top five. New York MCs. New York. Big. J. Big L. Nice. Man. Buster Rhymes. Sheesh. And it'll be a toss-up yeah. between, like, you know, Fab and... Uh, Jada, there's so many, man. Talib Kweli, it's so there's many. So like, it's many, hard to so just many. pick five, man. Yeah. Like, cause it's, it's so many, My man. Five, I go, I go to strictly, I go to uh, Guru from Gangstar. Oh, Big see? Pun. See? <laughs> I go to Big Pun. I go to Jadakiss. Okay. I go to Beanie Siegel. Oh, but no, Beanie. Beanie from Beanie oh, yeah. from Beanie's Philly. Oh, Beanie's from Philly. So yeah. next, subscribe, subscribe Beanie. Then I'll go with Rakim. Oh, see? And, and I'll go with, did I say Nas? Oh, see? <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, I left out so many, man. It's hard, yeah. bro. Yeah. Even Big L. Mm-hmm. Big L had pockets that a lot of rappers still kind of use. Right. So, which was unfortunate that he passed away a week before signing to Crazy Bro Rockefeller. Right. It it would have been it would have been so different, man. Mm-hmm. And not everybody knows the seven minute freestyle with him and Jay. Right. Anything outside you'd like to share outside of the music that the world that they don't already know about you? People kind of see it every now and then, but I'm definitely like very silly. <laughs> I'm definitely mm-hmm. like. You know, I don't like to just use clown in one word because you can you can think negative when you when you, you know yeah, you hear that clown. word. Yeah. You know, but it's like class clown. All, all my life, I grew up, you know, the center of attention, wanting to make people laugh, wanting to make people feel good. So I think that's maybe something that sometimes people get to see. Like if you know me and if you're in my personal space, you'll find out about me. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely something that people may not know about me in the in the world or mm-hmm. music world or just fans in general. Man, I'm. I'm extremely silly. Like, I just love to make people laugh and, and feel good in the moment, you know? Right, right. Any advice you'd like to give to people that are coming up as producers, musicians? Yeah, absolutely. I think the most important thing when it comes to anything creativity is, it, creatively, it's, it's about being passionate about that. I feel like that's what allowed me to sustain in the music business for so long. That's what pushed me to keep going, to never give up, to keep hustling, regardless of people not believing in me, people doubting me, people you know, not believing that I would do it and succeed as a musician and I had what it takes to be where I'm at today. So I think, you know, having passion, it's 
it really drives you to keep going no matter what. So I think that's very important. And I think it's important to to be yourself, be yourself, you know, in regards to creativity, whether it's a producer, a songwriter, a singer, an artist, a rapper, a dancer, you know, no one in the world is you. And I feel like that's that's God's greatest gift, you know, besides life. It's the fact that, you know, you have your own identity. You have your own fingerprint. No one, you know, can be you. They can be like you. They can try to emulate you. They can try to be similar. They can be inspired by you, but they can't be you. So I think mm-hmm. that's the superpower that I feel like each and every person in the world has that they don't acknowledge. So once you acknowledge that superpower, you can be you. Give the world you. Give the world your real, true, authentic self. And I feel like that's one of the keys to success in the entertainment world. That's We have a Chris Brown. We have a Trey Song. We have a J-Lo. We have all of these people are unique in their own way. And they gave us them, you know, them raw selves. So I think that that's very important when it comes to, you know, anything creative, including creativity. Artist, songwriter, producer, be you, be yourself. Now, towards the end of the podcast, I have these 10 rapid questions I got from James Lipton on the inside okay. of the Actors Studios. The first question is, what is your favorite word? King. What is your least favorite word? Be real, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on? Love. What turns you off? Hate. What sound or noise do you love? I would have, I would have to say music. What sound or noise do you hate? Probably the honking of a horn. <laughs> hmm. What is your favorite curse word? Probably shit. And <laughs> okay. so that's yeah, it's a go-to for a lot of people. That's right, normal. It's so normal to say shit, fuck. Right. Mm-hmm. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I'm kind of walking in that in regards to like the teaching. I okay. see myself, you know, really doing that, educating and teaching people, and just really mm-hmm. pushing people into their into their dreams and their paths that's you know been given to them in life. So I feel like that's definitely something that I would want to do full time. You know, when the time presents itself, but I feel like I'm walking in that kind of in a way right now. What profession would you not like to do? Peace officer. (laughs) (laughs) If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Man, well done, my faithful servant. (laughs) Any last words you'd like to tell the people and where can he follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at Amadeus, PBM, A-M-A-D-E-U-S, PBM, standing for Platinum Boy Music. Also on Instagram is Platinum Boy Music. Uh, on Twitter is uh, Producer Amadeus, P-R-O-D-U-C-E-R, Amadeus, spelled A-M-A-D-E-U-S. First off, I want to thank you for having me, you know, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. You know, love love the questions that were asked. Love the conversation. Definitely hope that it's of inspiration and motivation to everybody that would listen. You know, and just grateful to be in a position that I am and, and that my words, my opinions, and my story, you know, can push others to follow their dreams, you know, and into their destiny. So definitely want to leave with that. Everybody, please be safe out there with this pandemic. You know, it's, it's, it's tough out there, man. So follow, follow all precautions. Please follow social distancing. If you don't have to be there, don't be there. You know, let's, let's, let's try to wait this thing out until we can get more answers of what it really is so we can protect ourselves, you know, and, and continue to live our lives to the best of our ability. In regards to, you know, what's happening in the Black community and the Black culture, definitely want to absolutely say Black Lives Matter. Definitely appreciate all the support that, that we've been getting as a community and as a culture for those that, that stand with us for equal rights for police brutality and for all the, the negative things that have been happening in, in the world. You know, we, we're, we'll continue to fight. We'll continue to protest. We'll continue to stand because what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. We'll be, it's obviously in regards to what we've been seeing, you know, rest in peace, George Floyd, rest in peace, you know, Breonna Taylor, rest in peace, 
Eric Garner, Michael Brown, you know, and we can name so many other names, yeah. which is which is so on was so which is so un, unfortunate. You know, that change is needed. We're seeing change happen. We're seeing cops and police officers being charged and and you know dealing with the consequences of their actions. Uh, and you know, and I'm grateful for that. So it's a lot more work to do, uh, but with love, with us, you know, remaining together, sticking together, standing together, fighting together, you know, we can overcome anything. So that's you know, I'll leave it. I'll leave it on that. Thank you all for ha- thank you for having me on this platform again, uh, and, I, and I pray that everyone is motivated and inspired by you know our conversation. So thank you so much. All right, guys, this was episode twenty-four featuring Amadeus. Peace. <laughs>